Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chas Hathaway. Today we're going to share Karen's experience from enderf.org. I went to the hospital on Saturday morning and only remember a few moments in the emergency room. My family told me that by Monday morning, they called my sister to tell her to come to the hospital. They put me on life support and I was gone for almost two months. When I was in the coma, I remember being able to hear people in the room, but I couldn't wake up. I couldn't respond. I remember being very cold. I remember my sister covering me up and holding my hand. I had a very high fever. I heard the nurse scolding my sister for covering me up. She told me I needed the covers off because of the fever. My sister told the nurse that she could tell by my face that I was cold and agitated. I told her about remembering it later. She confirmed that it did happen. Funny how sisters know how to read the expressions in each other's faces. I remember hearing my brother's voice in the room. He had flown in from out of state. I knew when I heard his voice that I must be in serious shape. I remember feeling so lonely and helpless. I wasn't sure where I was, my mind was still going, and was so happy when I could hear voices in the room. Hearing voices was the only thing that told me I was still alive. After I got out of the hospital, I kept feeling like I should go to the hospital and let families know not to leave their loved ones while they're in a coma. I had first-hand knowledge that they can hear you. I started feeling that I was drifting further and further away. I can remember asking God to please don't let my brain turn off. I felt that that was the only sign that I was alive. Then I felt like I was just in the dark somewhere. I must have really been struggling. I remember a male being. I remember him talking or mentally communicating with me. He kept telling me that it was okay to die, to quit fighting so hard and just give up. He was there for a long time. All of a sudden, it was like he slipped up somehow. I felt that he was evil and trying to, trying in my mind to get me to commit suicide by giving up. I remember asking God to help me and the evil being was gone. Then I remember being in a very brightly lighted place. It was like being in the air or a cloud, but I knew at the time that it wasn't a cloud. It was wonderful. The light seemed to hold me up, like someone carrying or cuddling me. The only way I can describe it is feeling like I was part of the universe. I remember not feeling surprised, as if I knew all along that I would soon be there, as if I had been there before. I was more at ease than I could ever imagine in this life. I sincerely felt like I was back where I came from and knew it. No one was there. Then, in the distance, I saw a figure coming towards me. 
He stood upright like a man, yet had some sort of electrical energy about him. I don't remember him talking at first. I remember in a childlike way, I said to him, you are doing all of this. And then almost before it was out of my voice or thoughts, I knew that he was God. I felt that I had been so irreverent and didn't know what to do. He was communicating with me, with his presence. I don't remember anything that he said, but I know that he made me feel wonderful and at ease, not only with being, with him being there, but with my life and what I was experiencing. I wasn't at all afraid. I remember feeling like my brain just opened up and all the answers to life were right there flowing through my head so quickly, like all the troubles of the world, not just mine, were all going to be okay. I remember feeling amused that everything, and I mean everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly in the world, was all in control. It was all planned and almost wasn't even real. I felt like where I was was real, and that the life part had all been a dream, a test, or an experience. And for some reason, I came back. I've struggled with it for the past year. I've felt angry because I didn't get to stay. I didn't get to remember it all. I still question it some, all sometimes. To this day, I still have quick memories. I remember things that I had forgotten, I guess, as my psych told me, who, by the way, has been very supportive. I lucked out and found a good one. She told me that uh, this is the same way that we believe in God, but don't know for sure. I can continue to believe that it really did happen, and someday, when I meet him again, I will ask him, remember on April in April 2001, did that really happen? Then I will know the answers for sure, but in the meantime, I'm going to have to live on this earth and try to keep myself from going crazy trying to remember all the answers. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe I will keep remembering, and by the time I go, I will know. That is the end of Karen's experience. And what a cool experience it was. I mean, she talks about uh, being in the void, and in this void she could hear a voice uh, or at least she could, well, at first, let, let's go back a bit. First, she's in, in her coma. She's conscious while she's laying there. And she gets really lonely there. And it makes me wonder, was she a spirit laying in her body, separated but in her body, you know what I mean? Like she could have got up at any time. Or was she conscious but just paralyzed? And that's a horrifying thought, if you ask me. That... But she does say she remembers feeling so lonely and helpless and and not being sure where she was, which makes me think that maybe she wasn't in the room, but rather in the void, perhaps, but still able to hear the voices in her room. And uh, I don't know, I just find that interesting. And then she says that uh, that... 
she found herself drifting further and further away and asking God, please don't let my brain turn off, which may be why she stood, stayed in this conscious coma for, you know, probably a long time. But then she finds herself in this dark place and she must have been really struggling. She says, I remember there being some male being there, a man of sorts, and he was talking or mentally communicating and saying it was okay to die, to quit fighting so hard and just give up. And she says he was there for a long time. And at first you may think this was a guide. Well, I don't think so, because suddenly he slipped at some point. He he kind of hinted, it, and, and when she says he slipped somehow, she doesn't say how, but I think what probably was happening was that he was communicating by thoughts to her and trying to say it's okay to die it, it's it's all right and saying these things but then slips and his real intent comes out which is he's trying to get her to commit suicide by giving up which my goodness if you can commit suicide at that point i mean <laughs> at what point is it no longer suicide i i don't know but uh and and maybe that's Maybe that's what he's trying to do is get her to give up enough to uh, give in to death so that he can blame her for that and, and get after her. But it, it's clear at some point that he is evil and trying um, to, to really basically means her harm. And, uh, and she asks God to help. And as soon as she asks God for help. This evil being is gone. Which is interesting because, I mean, there's, I mean, like the only thing that seems to hint from what we read here uh, that he is malicious in any way is that he's saying to, it's okay to die, to give up and, and so forth. So, I mean, <laughs> this could be an example of various levels of good and evil, or it could be an example of how an evil entity might come in tiptoeing so gently, sounding like that comforting angel that says, it's okay, it's okay to die, and so forth. And while really he's intending to get her to give up because she still has more to do on this earth. I don't know. No idea, but that's interesting. And then she finds herself right after the evil being is gone, being in a very brightly lighted place. And then she finds herself part of the universe. And I assume by that she means one with the universe, part of this eternal uh, universe around us and the multiverses, if you will. And uh, But no one's there, except that she sees this uh, man coming and there's like this electrical energy around him. I wonder if that's what glory looks like. I wonder if that's what, uh, I don't know, countenance and, and things like that look like. But but she gathers that this is God and uh, and that he is communicating with her and talking with her. She doesn't remember what he says, but the message she gets is everything is in control. Nothing is against, um, nothing is hindering 
what was intended to happen, basically. Um, very interesting, very interesting. And then she talks a little bit about the struggle that she has to remember everything from this instance. And this seems to be common with near-death experiences, is there'll be parts that they remember, and the memories are so vivid as to be as if they happened five seconds ago. But then there are parts that just remain masked, hidden from recollection. And once in a while, something leaks, and it becomes another aspect of that absolutely clear memory. Very interesting. Memory is a, a funny thing when it comes to near-death experiences. But uh, anyway, if you would like to contact the podcast, uh, either by, uh, or to leave a comment, a, tell us about your own experience, or to uh, um, ask a question, you can do that by calling 970-NDE-CAST or by emailing podcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, no dashes or anything. And then uh, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do that by becoming a monthly contributor by going to patreon.com slash ndecast and uh, signing up there to contribute whatever amount you can uh, spare per month to help encourage this podcast to keep going and I can promise you it does we've had a few contributors and it I can't tell you how much that means to me you know it's it, I hear from people saying thank you for doing the podcast it's it's great and everything and and those things mean a great deal to me but when somebody puts money down <laughs> it's kind of a way of saying look this is how serious we are. I like this to the amount of $5 or whatever per month. And, and that's just awesome. I mean, that is just so encouraging. And also, I would like to hear from many of you if you like the music in the background. Um, when I started recording the music in the background, it was about, you know, I was about a week and a half out from when they were posting. And so... You know, some time will have passed by the time uh, this gets out there and and you're responding to it. But I would like to hear as soon as possible what you think of the music, whether it's helping, making it harder, um, if it's distracting or if it's really adding to it. And I have started uh, putting links to the music in the show notes to the podcast on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org so that if you would like to download that music yourself, you can. I have it uh, uploaded through bandcamp.com. So far, all the music that I've used is my own original compositions. And I put it on Bandcamp because I like the idea of being able to allow people to pay if they want to or if they just really want the music but don't have the money, they can download it for free. Just put in zero for the amount. And if you think it's worth something to you, if it, if it, then uh, you know, pay a little bit for it. I think I think the minimum pay, which is kind of silly in a way, since you can do zero, but I think the minimum pay is a dollar, just because of the costs of of the whole you know system and so forth, being able to do it in order for there to be any profit to 
the company and to the artist that you do a dollar and then and then it uh, comes out worthwhile for everybody but you can put zero if if that's not worth it to you and then you get the music for free so um i'm putting links in the show notes to those uh pieces that are used in the podcast episode and uh once again to all of you regardless of whether you're commenting contributing or anyway interacting with the podcast just thank you all of you so much for listening Thank you.